listening to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you are richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Josh Vietti. I don't know if you've ever been lost before. I have. I've been lost uh, twice in the woods. And the first time I was a camp counselor, I lost a camper, and... It was nighttime, and for some reason, I think somebody told me that he, they saw him go into the, the woods. And so I thought, well, that's strange, but I'll go see if I can find him. And I didn't grab a flashlight. I didn't grab anything. I just went straight out there. And, uh, and before I knew it, there was no moon. It was pitch black. Before I knew it, I didn't know where I was. And that feeling of just it being completely black, you're in the woods, you feel breeze, you kind of hear noises. That feeling was interesting. Um, I wasn't super fearful because I spent a lot of time in the woods as a kid, but at the same time, I did think, what's out here with me, right? What's out here that can hurt me? And um, the idea of not being able to see, not knowing your direction is a whole thing. And so what I did is I calmed my mind, listened to the noise, and I went to the noise, right? I, there, was a, there was an escape, a way out. The second time that I was lost, I was on a snowboarding trip and I was with my friend and it was, it was snowing really bad. It was like a snowstorm. And I remember I thought that he went a certain direction, uh, kind of off the path into the woods, right? Because we would do that. We would go through the trees sometimes. And so I, uh, I followed where I thought he went and found out quickly that he didn't go that way. And I ended up going uh, down the hill and I ended up stopping in a hole, in a big, huge hole. It was like a, like a crater kind of hole. And I looked around and I couldn't tell where I was because I couldn't tell um, where the mountain was. If I could see where the mountain was, I would know where I was. But all I could see is, is the banks of this wall. I was in a hole. And um, in that instance, I really got nervous because the snow was deep and I didn't know what to do. And so I just chose a direction that I thought was right. And I went that direction and it turned out to be okay. Um, sometimes we get lost, right? We go through times and we talk about, you know, what it means to be lost in the woods, lost in the wilderness. And that word wilderness, I was thinking about it. What it means is it's a place that's uninhabitable. It's a place where you're not supposed to live. It's a place where um, God might allow you to be for a while so that you can learn to rely 100% on Him and gather the resources. The children of Israel, when Moses led them out of Egypt, he led them straight into the desert, just like this, a desolate place, no resources. And so the people had to continually rely on God to give them their food, to give them their water, to give them everything, to show them how to live. And, you know, when you think about going through hard times or difficult times, right, the wilderness, so to speak, it seems unfair. It doesn't seem like, you know, we give our lives over to God and, and we think, you know, this isn't what I signed up for, right? It's not fair. But ultimately, God has us go through those times so that we'll, relearn, that we'll learn where our true source comes from. And the true source is God, right? Our reliance should always be on God uh, for everything. And that's what we're trying to get to here. 
my friend uh, Adrian, he was telling me a story, or he was telling me, uh, he was giving me uh, a bit of a uh, picture into his life and how he was struggling recently. We went to lunch and talked about this. And um, he said he was really discouraged a few weeks bef before we talked. And he just wanted to quit moving forward and what he felt like God was calling him to do. And so he called his mentor and his mentor uh, chastised him, said, said, you want to quit because you're in the middle? And then he went on to explain that this was a part of what his mentor had been teaching him for a long time, that, that, you know, there's where you are and there's where you're going. And then there's the middle and the middle is a transition and it's, and transitions are difficult. And so he told me the story and then I immediately started thinking about it. And I was like, you know what, you, he's right. Why wouldn't, why would we complain when we know that difficult times are supposed to be here and we're supposed to allow God to use those things to change our hearts and change our minds, right? And so I also thought about this idea of being in the middle. And I thought, you know what? God started something in the Garden of Eden. He started a story. He started writing a story of humanity. And from the Garden of Eden to the Tree of Life in the very end, there's a pretty big middle. And I don't know where we're at on the timeline, but we are in the middle of God's story. I like good movies. That's why I like to shoot films and do these things. I'm really into it. And a good movie to me has a really good storyline, a really good plot line with lots of drama, lots of struggle. Um, you know, the, the, the bigger the obstacle that is overcome in the movie, the better the movie, right? At the very end, there's, there's resolve. Um, and when I think of God and how he's writing his story of humanity, I think he's a good writer. Of course, he's going to start us off in a good place. And of course, uh, throughout history, things are going to get difficult. He's going to come through. God is the hero of the story, you know, and he's going to come through for us. And um, we don't know the end of the story yet. I don't know the end of the story for your life, right? I have no idea what it is. But God is going to come through if you keep trusting Him, if you keep believing in Him, if you keep relying on Him. And if you see your trials and you see your times of going through the desert as a positive thing, because God is using that to, 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 to make you into the person that He's called you to be, right? When God looks down on you, He doesn't see who you are and your thoughts and everything else. He doesn't judge you. He sees who you should be, who you're supposed to be. That's who God sees you as. And he's constantly, constantly, constantly reminding us of the importance of believing that we have a calling, believing that we have a purpose, believing that we're part of his kingdom, believing that, that he actually put us here on earth right now for a reason. God is good, right? He's very good. And today we're talking about fear of being alone, fear of being in the desert, fear of being in the wilderness. There's no fear when you learn to fear God, when you learn to respect Him, when you learn to receive from Him. Receiving is not so easy, is it? Sometimes when you're in a difficult place, you ask God for help and uh, you believe He's going to help you. But then when He comes to give you the solution, we're not always watching for that. Maybe we don't believe, maybe we don't feel like we deserve it. But God is a good father and he loves us. I'm going to read you a scripture. 1 John 4, 16 says, So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, 
love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. If it wasn't for the times where we are wandering in the wilderness and becoming frustrated or confused, if it wasn't for those times, we would never learn to fall in love with our Father, God. We would never learn to rely on Him. We would never learn to come to Him when we need something. My little girls are the best thing that's ever happened to me. And um, I have the little, the little one who's a little ornery, and I have the, the older one who's super uh, just cheerful, always cheerful. <laughs> the little one's funny though, so <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting combo. But um, those girls rely on, on their mother more so than me, but they rely on their mother and I to take care of them. You know, we make sure they have food, we make sure they have clothing, we make sure that they uh, get to school or wherever they're supposed to be um, because they're little, right? And some of you have been a Christian for a very long time and you're not little anymore. You know, you went through the stage uh, of being a child, of being a uh, a young one, and God would spoon feed you. He would give you everything that you needed when you needed it, and you learned to rely on Him. But at one point, He wants us to grow up, and He wants us to learn how to not only rely on Him, but to take what He has and give it to others. And not only rely on Him, but also walk on our own two feet. It's um, really an interesting process when you just choose to love God with all your heart and soul and mind. And it's not like you get it down right away. There are moments where I'm really in love with God. There are moments where I'm sleepy or hungry, you know, or angry or upset. But ultimately, I'm always coming back to where God is, always coming back. There's a uh, song I was just recently listening to. I don't usually listen to this kind of music, but um, it's from a guy named Chance the Rapper. And uh, he wrote a song called Blessings. And the, the verse is, are you ready for your blessing? Are you ready for your miracle? And it just kept, kept they kept singing that over and over. And I was, I was listening to that while I was walking around out here. And I was thinking, you know what? The blessing is just right over the hill. The blessing is just right through this path that yes, leads through the desert. Yes, it leads through the valley of the shadow of death, right? It leads through um, this place that's difficult but the blessing is on the other side and you can't get there any other, other way than to just go straight through. And what I found out, and this is encouraging to me and uh, hopefully it's encouraging to you, is there's still a lot of beauty in the desert, even when it is hard, even when it is difficult. If you open your eyes today and yes, there's this trial, this thing going on that's worrying you, if you can just take your, 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 your mind and set it aside, if you can just take that thought that, that, is, that is driving you insane and just set it aside for a moment and think of God and think of who He is and think about how big He is and how much He loves you and that His perfect love will cast out fear. Once we get to understand who He is and understand that He is, is everything. God created all of this. He created everything. And, I, and I'm looking around here in the desert and I'm thinking, why did he create this beauty in the middle of nowhere? Because he can, because he wanted to, because he knew that all these people would drive up here and come and be inspired someday. God loves us 
and his story is all about us. And we need to be all about him. It's a love relationship. So if you have to go through the desert to fall in love with God, it's worth it every time, all right? Good morning, how you guys doing? All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. God, uh, it's a crazy world we live in, but I pray that today would be enjoyable, uh, that every family would have a good time, that we'd be able to uh, enjoy you and the blessings that you've given us and our children, and pray that you keep our children safe tonight and uh, our parents safe as well. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, so much for just everything you do in our lives. I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that you'd open our hearts and show us what you want to show us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about fear and love. And um, that scripture I read in the uh, desert, which I feel like it had a different feel when I read it there. But I'm going to read it again. First uh, John 4.18. And then I'm going to give you guys three keys and three, or three ways to move from fear to love. So First uh, John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Right? So the first key is to learn, if you want to defeat your fears, your negative fears, right, is to, um, is to learn how to abide by this perfect love. Now, the word perfect in our language means infallible. It means spotless. It means without blemish. Um, perfect isn't really a real thing, is it, though? It's, it's something you can try to attain to, but you'll never actually get there. It's a, it's a destination you can never achieve. Uh, but the word in the original Greek wasn't meant to be perfect as we know it. The word was meant to be mature. Um, and so when I looked up the uh, definition of perfect love, what it means really is grown-up love. Grown-up love. You know, uh, those of you guys, how many of you guys are married? How many of you guys can remember all the way back to the beginning, right? When you first started dating and uh, the, the passion and excitement that you felt. And, you know, uh, Christian guys always just, they think of one thing that's going to happen after the, the wedding, right? And they're excited about that. And the women, they only think about the wedding itself. And then they, they end up uh, going together on their honeymoon or wherever they end up afterwards. And they're both just confused. And so they have to figure it out from there, right? Uh, but we get caught up in this, uh, this, this, I don't know, dream landscape, this idealism in our relationships. But then... As you grow old, you start to form a deeper relationship. You start to understand that, oh, this person's here to actually help. God is using this person to help form my character. God is actually using this person to teach me patience. God is actually using this person to point out my flaws. Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't love it when my wife points my flaws out, but, you know, it's, uh, it's good. It's a good thing. I did a... Um, wedding vow renewal last night for a couple that had been married for 25 years and they're they're a little older in life yeah it's awesome um and uh as i looked at them i thought you know what they have a deep connection and a deep love that people that have been together for four years don't have right it's because they've been through the fire together they've been through trials together and so when we talk about living in perfect love 
It's, 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 in, it's as it pertains to God, right? And if we choose to live in this love state with God where we're growing and maturing, then we won't have time to fear because we're going to be focused on him. It's all about focus. It's all about where we're looking. So the first key is, um, is to learn perfect love. The second key, you guys can throw that up, is uh, learning to fear God. Fear of God. This is one of the most important things and probably one of the most basic, but one of the most crucial things that we need to learn as Christians. When you get saved, um, you give your life over to Jesus, it, it doesn't end there. It's not like you just get a ticket to heaven and you put it away in a drawer somewhere until you need it, right? When you get saved, God brings you into his family, he brings you into his community, and he makes you an integral part of it. I believe this. I believe that every single person that's here today was created by God and brought here to listen to this message, to hear these words. And these words are, God created you for meaning and purpose. God created you to be more than you are, right? You have so much more potential because of God, right? We do. And, um, and God is good. But as we move forward, it gets a little scary. It gets a little, um, some of us, we don't use the word scared because we were taught not to use that word. Our parents Slap us. You're not scared. Stop, you know? Us, us guys. I think my dad did that to me. Um, but uh, we, we, you know, we have to learn fear of God. So, so let me go back to Proverbs uh, 14, 26. It says, it says this, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. So in the fear of the Lord, there's strong confidence. Now, we read these verses a lot, right? We read these, these Bible verses, and sometimes we just gloss over them. And we think, oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's cool. But the meaning here is so powerful that if you grab a hold of what this actually means, I'm going to give you a personal story of how this has affected me and how I've applied it to my life. I, and I've said this before many times, I do not like being on stage. Um, my natural state is terrified to stand in front of people and talk. I'm terrified to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with people. Um, it, it's, it's scary. Uh, and I'm not afraid anymore, but when I first started, I was, I was super nervous and super afraid. And when I, I remember the first time I spoke, all my high school buddies in there, I was, I was like a year out of high school, and all my high school buddies in there just laughing at me the whole time because that's what we did. It, that's, we, we all hung out and gave each other a hard time. So they did that, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to get through this. It's hard to be serious. And so I went through a process of having to... Uh, confront my fear of being in front of people, my fear of doing what I felt God wanted me to do. And I only was able to learn uh, true confidence when I understood that I was working for God, right? Somebody, uh, a couple years ago, I'll tell you this story. I was in Ventura. Uh, well, first of all, I'm not going to give you my whole testimony thing. That's not even, that's, I don't even know where that's at. We're like in the middle of that story right now. But um, in 20, uh, let's see, 2000, uh, from about 2006 till about, um, I would say 2012, I spoke regularly here at BBF, right? And then I disappeared for five years. You guys remember this? You guys know this? Some of you guys came during that five years, and I came back, and you didn't know who I was because I was literally gone. Um, I didn't really disappear. I actually moved to Ventura, and um, I went through a process of time where I just... I uh, felt like I needed to step down from speaking. Nothing major. There was nothing big, nothing crazy, nothing scandalous. But it was, um, how many of you guys play golf? Any golfers out there? It's like if you play golf regularly, 
all of a sudden you just one day you'll go out there and you'll start hitting the ball off to the side. It's because you have a weird, you have like a weird hitch in your in your in your giddy up, right? It's just there's something happening. You don't even know what it is. You and you you just you just don't. You're not doing it right. And so when I was speaking, I was like, you know, what? there's something in my heart that's not right. And I don't know. Um, I know my dad's the same way, and I can't speak for all the pastors, but I think we're all the same way. That when we come up here in the pulpit, we want to make sure that our hearts are right. We want to make sure that our intentions are right. We want to make sure that we're giving you guys the correct um, uh, biblical teachings that we need to give you. We want to make sure we take this seriously. And so uh, I decided to step down. Now, at that time, I, was, I know that I was supposed to not just step away and do nothing. I was supposed to step away and do something else, give my time and energy to something else. And I didn't really do that. And so I went into a really dark place where I lost uh, the... I lost the hope of my calling. I'm thinking, I'm never going to get to do this again. You know, I, I blew it. And, um, and it was really hard. And so I had to learn. I moved to Ventura, and I had to learn how to get back into that mindset of just trusting God for God's sake. Like, it's just me and him. Um, recently, I've been thinking about priorities a lot. And um, I've, it, I get stuck where I, I, I really want to do what God wants me to do so bad that I forget to just hang out with him and worship him and love him. I bypass that and I go to straight to the checklist because if I can, if I can get that checklist done, he'll be happy. Right. But sometimes God just wants to hang with us. Right. And so I learned to do that again while I was over in Ventura. And as things go, my friends were over there. Uh, my dad uh, just followed me over there and started a church over there. And then, um, I, uh, they were asking me to speak and I was like, okay, fine, I'll speak. And so, um, I started doing it and started feeling it again. I was like, no, this is good. This is my purpose. This is awesome. It was awesome until uh, Christmas Eve service. I can remember this very, very, very plainly. Uh, the lights were bright like they are today. Uh, the place was packed. My father-in-law was there. He doesn't normally come to our church, but he was there in the background. And um, I just remember it, midway through the Christmas service, I froze and forgot everything I was saying. And I and I went into full panic attack mode. And so my mind was like, what do I do? What do I do? And so that happened then, and then that, uh, I kind of got through it. It happened a couple times then, and it started happening again last year during COVID. When we had to come out here and uh, speak to just a camera, and this whole place was completely empty, I started feeling that panic again. And so when I felt, and, I, and I'm, not a panic, I'm not a panic attack guy. I'm not an anxiety guy. Like, if people, people that know me would say, if you're there to ask, hey, is Josh anxious? You have to really, really, really know me to think I have anxiety. And because I'm usually the guy that would, if you invite me over, I'm just going to fall asleep on your couch. I'm not going to tell you, uh, you know, that, that, you, that your house is dirty or anything. I'm not an anxious person, right? And so, um, so I had to go through those trials to be reminded to put my attention back on God. And, and, and reprioritize. So my priorities now um, are God first, but God as my relationship with him goes, meaning my prayer time, my devotion, the worship, me and him, number one. Number two is my family, and number three is my purpose. Because if I get those confused, then all of a sudden I am just a slave for God, and I'm shackled with chains that were never meant to be shackled on me. So it's so important that we, and I know a lot of you guys volunteer and do a lot uh, in the community or in the church, don't lose sight of your first love. Because when we do that, it's so subtle and it's so easy, fear and anxiety and, and other things start to creep in. And so learning to fear God is about respect. It's about attention. 
right? Um, if you guys are afraid of something in life or anxious about something or stressed out about something, the, the fix is the easiest. It's so easy. To apply this verse to it, you, you, you literally visualize this. Take some time. Take five minutes out of your day. Something's really bothering you. And literally, like, imagine yourself putting this down next to you, setting it down on a table. And then imagine yourself comparing whatever this is that's bothering you to God Almighty. There's no comparison. There's no comparison whatsoever. You put your fear in him, and, you've, and you also have to believe that he loves you, right? And that he'll take care of you. And that he's a good father. When Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray, our father uh, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your, your will be done. Your kingdom, your kingdom come. I'm butchering that, but you know what I mean. Um, I'm not Catholic. I, I try. Uh, that's why I would never have made it as a Catholic because I can't memorize anything. So it would have been bad. But, um, but I, love, I love all you Catholics. You guys are awesome. Um, do you see what I'm saying? Do you guys understand where I'm, where I'm going with this? Is it's about attention. And the devil wins the battles when he diverts our attention. And he's so subtle. He's so subtle. You will end up in a place that you never thought you'd be if you just don't pay attention. Right? You'll end up lost. That's what happens. One step at a time. You're like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, until you're not. Right? And so it's so important for us just to simply do that. And so for some of us, we need to, um, you know, get to that place. So the next uh, slide and the next verse is, um, is Philippians 1, 19. And um, this is the art of letting go. I say the art because it is an art. It's a practice, right? You have to learn to let go. You have to learn to let go. Paul, one of the most influential, if not the most influential Christian um, that has ever lived, wrote these words. In verse 19 of chapter 1, it says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Okay, and what this was, was a trial. He's in prison, I think. Um, he said, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed uh, at all, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Now listen to this next part very carefully. He says, for me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I, am, if I am to live in the, he's ready to die, that's good. Um, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Okay? Which I will choose, I cannot tell. You see what's going on? He's, he's battling between whether he wants to live on this earth anymore or not. You can ask the question, was he suicidal? I, I don't think like not feeling sorry for himself, but I think he understood that there's a big difference between the here and now where you get tired or you get lonely, where things get difficult, where there's actual pain. And some of you guys are, you have pain, right? And your fear, I was thinking about the root of fear. I drew a circle, I drew a dot in the middle, and then I drew like a bunch of, um, I wish I had the slide, but I drew a bunch of lines that, that shoot out from this dot, and that dot represents the core. I was like, what is the core of fear? What is it? What is it really? And I, and I came up with, and I don't know if this is scientifically correct, but I came up with this. It's avoidance. It's avoidance. It's lack of confronting the things that you know you need to confront 
and it's doing, it's, it's moving in a direction that makes you feel better in the moment so that you can forget about whatever problem you have. But if you instead confront that problem and fix it, you will have more confidence and less fear because you are on top of it. You're moving forward rather than running away. If you want to find out how well uh, running away works, read the book of Jonah, all right? It doesn't work well. It just doesn't. And so moving on in the scripture, um, for me to live uh, is Christ dies again, uh, verse 23, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming uh, to you again. So what he's saying is, I, I'm, I, he's saying I'm done. I'm tired. Um, last week, we, we lost a, another uh, member of our body to suicide. And, and I've just been, I, I, was, I, I reached out to another friend who has dealt with that uh, a lot before. And I've talked to a lot of people that deal with depression and anxiety and all these things. And my friend is, that I was talking to, he's in the military. And he was talking to me about PTSD and how much it affects him, how much it affects the people that he served with and how real it is. And, and I thought about it and I was like, you know what? That's true. And I think on a smaller scale, in some cases, some cases on the same scale, uh, COVID-19 was a cause for PTSD for a lot of people. Because PTSD happens when you think your life is in danger. And I know, I know a handful of people who are in the hospital who didn't know if they were gonna make it. One of them, one of them is Pastor Hector. So like that, that's, that's a real thing. And the doctors are saying, you know, whatever they're saying, it depends on the doctor, but sometimes they don't, they're not the most cheery. They're working, right? And they're just like, we're, gonna, we're trying. They, they don't always tell you the best things or the things, they don't lie to you, right? They're not supposed to. And so the hope of life itself gets hit. And then we think about the political stuff, right? All the political things that we're going through. And um, I, I'm going to start talking about issues more that are political. I'm not going to talk about who you should vote for. I'm not going to talk about whether you're a Democrat or, uh, or um, a mass-hating Republican. I'm not going to talk about these things, all right? But I do want to talk about the issues because we're going to have to learn how to how to, how to stand up and, and to talk. But all these things that have happened in the last year, riots, all this, all this stuff has caused um, so many Christians to go back to the side. Like they were on the playing field, but they went back to the sidelines because they feel like it's safer. But here's the deal. It's not safer on the sidelines. It is not safer on the sidelines. It's just not. It's always safer when you're in the game, when you're playing, when you're moving forward. That's the safest bet. David, King David said when he, when he was running from uh, Saul in the desert, he said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. So he's not afraid because God is with him, but he also said he's walking through the, the valley, right? Which means he's not stopping. He's not hanging out. He's not setting up camp in the valley. What he's doing is he's walking through it. And some of us here, we have walked through the valley for what we think is... Uh, is too long, right? Um, we're wondering when it's ever going to stop. How big is this valley, right? Well, the children of Israel, they had a, a valley that kept them for 40 years. So, you know, we think, oh, my, my issues should be taken away from me now. No, your issues should not be taken away from you now. Are you lonely? 
Okay. Are you tired? Okay. Are you scared? Okay. That's all part of life. But we just can't live as Christians. We can't live as people who have fear that debilitates us, that keeps us from moving forward. I got to ride a motorcycle for this video. Super fun. Not a comfortable motorcycle at all. And we took like a three hour, it took us like six hours to get there, Death Valley. And um, I was thinking about riding that motorcycle and it was like big. It's a big motorcycle. I ride, I ride, but I don't usually ride motorcycles that big. So I'm like thinking to myself, okay, there's obstacles up here. I just gotta make sure I keep my eyes on the road. I don't wanna hit a diesel. I don't wanna hit a uh, pothole. I don't wanna hit a rabbit running across the street. So I, I'm scanning, right? I'm looking back and forth. When I ride, I look back and forth. Um, my, my left eye isn't very good, but I do the best I can. You know, just make sure that I see things. I'm scanning. That's normal behavior. That's not fearful behavior. That's, that's common sense. If you're going to do something that's a danger involved, you use caution and you do what you need to do. You look around. Now, if when I parked the motorcycle and walked into the gas station, if I'm still looking for all these obstacles to get me, right? That's insanity, right? Like, that's crazy. And so some of us, we just don't know how to turn our minds off. Fearless, if, if somebody says they're fearless, that's the same thing as saying they're stupid. Um, not a good idea, right? If you're fearless, you're like, what, a sociopath, right? Like it's, you're supposed to have fear. We're supposed to have fear in our lives. But it's when the fear controls us and we can't turn our brains off. You guys know what the word rumination means? It means that you're just constantly thinking about something negative that could happen or something, neg that, or something negative that did happen that could cause something else that's negative to happen in the future. And it's not being able to turn that off. That's why so many people have problems sleeping because we just think about stuff. Our minds never stop. I'm a thinker, unfortunately. My wife always says, you're a thinker, not a doer. I think she is emphasizing the, that I'm not a doer, but... Um, <laughs> I like, babe, I think about every which way you can do what you need to do, honey. I'm, I'm helping you out. Um, <laughs> and you guys have that, like, in your marriage, a thinker and a doer? Thinkers are not lazy. We just use our minds more. Um, and we get into trouble more. Is what I've become, I'm turning into a, a, a thinker slash uh, say, say stuff I shouldn't say. Uh, I, <sighs> but do you guys see what I'm saying? Fear can control you, and you might not even know it. You might not even know it, you know? When we have to, when we get hit with a project or something that's unexpected, and we are willing to stand in a 30-minute Starbucks line to get our fix so that we can do that project, you got to ask yourself, would that 30 minutes have been used more wisely if you would have just got straight to the project? Maybe, right? But we just want to feel better. We want to numb the pain. So like Paul, I would encourage you to start to learn to endure pain. When it comes, don't run from it. And you'll realize, when I say pain, I mean like um, uncomfortable situations, okay? Uh, it could be as simple as a conversation you don't want to have. I've been doing this thing lately where... I'm not really good at reaching out to people. Some of the pastors are excellent at it, um, and they're constantly looking out for people. Pastor Steve in Tatchby is one of them, Pastor Hector, Pastor Tom. Very good at it. I'm not that guy because I'm not, like, uh, um, uh, I'm not social. I'm just not a social person. I'm trying to become more. But um, when, what was I going to say? I totally forgot what I was going to say. I was, I was too much ADD, too much caffeine. 
basically what I'm getting at is we have to trust God and we have to know that he's with us. We have to know that he loves us and we have to know that he's going to take everything away, right? Um, gosh, I, I don't I gotta remember my thought. Anyway, um, I feel like we're just hanging out at my house and I'm going to go to the bathroom, come back and, oh yeah, I remember the thought. Sometimes I'm a little too casual. It's funny. I went from like being afraid to talk to people, nervous to like, oh, hey, what's up guys? We're, we're together. We're, this, is, this is family. Do you know the pastors aren't perfect? You guys know this? Do you guys know we have our own issues at home? We have our own issues with each other? I wanted to punch a pastor the other day, you know, right in the throat. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't. We're not perfect. We're, we're, we're the same. And um, I think that's what I love about this church is we understand the power of being together and encouraging each other. And we are not going to go the same direction as the culture is. So many people out there are afraid. They're scared of being canceled. They're scared of their dirty laundry being brought up to the surface. You, you come in here and you bring your dirty laundry up, we're going to pray for you. We're going to put our hands on you. We're going to accept you. We're going to bring you in. And we're going to believe that God can help you, that God can heal you, and God can fix you. We're not a church of judgmental people. So anyway, we're going to end right now. I totally wish I would have not forgot that thought. It's going to bug me for days, but uh, it's not going to help. It's, uh, my mind is, is mushy. I haven't slept much. It's a bad thing. Um, ruminating, ruminating. Um, let's pray. We're going to end with the worship song that they, that they shot out in the desert. And um, I was there physically, and it was beautiful. But I think that the guys did such a good job at bringing this to you. And so during this worship time, what I want you to do is I want you to envision whatever it is in your life that you are concerned about. Maybe it's full-on, full-blown, irrational fear. Maybe it's a simple anxiety. Maybe it's something that's been gnawing at you for a long time. Maybe it's new. Whatever that is, I want you to, in the first 30 seconds of the song, visualize that and set it aside. Set it aside. Okay? Set it aside. And if you do that, I'm going to pray this prayer for you right now. Father, I pray that you would release every single person in this building from that fear and anxiety. I pray that you would burn up the fear, God. I pray that you would send your holy fire. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Like